With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into the Tighten Up Podcast on the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. I'm Jack Gentry alongside my partner, Luke Worsham. You can find us both on Twitter. I'm at Jack A. Gentry. He is at Luke underscore Worsham. And we are the Tighten Up Podcast. Go follow us on Twitter, at Tighten Up Pod on Twitter, at Tighten Up Podcast on Instagram. Don't forget, uh, we are always, we say this every time, we're under the A to Z Sports umbrella. So go give A to Z Sports a follow across all social media platforms. This is episode number 66, the Gennaro DiNapoli of Sodes. Honorable mention to Jason Lehman, who also wore number 66, but the tiebreaker has to go to the dude with the cooler name. Sorry, Jason. I have never heard of any either of those people, so you, you got me there. DiNapoli. That Two, that's a great re- that's a great remember the Titan right there. Gennaro 2002 DiNapoli. started all 16 games 2002. Um so yeah, Gennaro DiNapoli so so we're paying our tributes to Gennaro DiNapoli. Julio! What once seemed like a pipe dream has blossomed into reality. Julio Jones is now a Tennessee Titan. We break down the trade and what Julio Jones means to this Titans offense in 2021. John Robinson deserves major props for pulling this off. After a shaky 2020 through the draft and other issues, uh, he seems to be pulling all of the right strings so far this offseason, so we're going to give J-Rob his flowers. Our guest this week is none other than 104.5 The Zones and A to Z Sports own Buck Rising. We discuss all things Julio Jones and make sense of what the Titans have done on the defensive side of the ball this offseason. After the interview, you guys are going to love this. At least I think so. We're debuting a new segment, the Pac-Man Jones, Kenny Britt, Isaiah Wilson, Arrest of the Week. We're highlighting a former Titans player that ran into some trouble with the law over the weekend, so you're going to want to stick around to find out who that is and what he We've got a humdinger today for that. (laughs) Finally, we've finished with Remember the Titan. But before I let Luke Worsham talk to you guys about Smash Pest Control, I have some podcast news that I must get to. This is going to be the last time Luke co-hosts the Tighten Up podcast with me. He's not been fired, but he was gracious wow. enough with his time. He helped us bridge a gap. Um, you know, w- when the skies were uncertain for the Tighten Up podcast, so we can't thank him enough. He's excelled in doing in doing so. Um, I've had a ton of fun with him. I'm sure you guys have as well. But Luke, this isn't a goodbye. It's it's merely a see you later, right? There's some folks listening to this right now going, "Thank God." No, there He's can't be gone. Anyone. No, you're the you're the you're the pod you're the Titan Up Podcast's prized possession, Luke. <laughs> yeah, it, you, look, it's been a lot of fun. I have uh, really enjoyed being the interim host during uh, Austin's absence. You you shot me a text one day, or maybe it was a call, asking if this was something I would be interested in doing, and I said absolutely because I've I've loved going on with you and Austin in the past and had fun doing that. And I think the two of us have, have had a good time and we've had some fun guests on and, and a lot of fun interviews, but I am excited uh, that you are going to have uh, the, the real host. I'm just 
sort of the the fake host wearing the costume. Uh, but but I am thrilled to be yielding the Tighten Up Podcast co-host chair back to Austin Huff after this week. That's right. Yep, Austin Huff will be joining us again. He's gonna be uh, he's gonna be back. He's had some stuff go on in Chicago. He got a new job. He settled in. He had to move, and he's ready to return next week. So Austin Huff will be returning. Luke, you are a real host. I don't want you to say that you're not a real host wearing a costume. <laughs> but once again, we we appreciate everything that you've done. But we've got an ep- We've got a podcast to do today, Luke. You're not out, you're not off the hook yeah. just yet. Well, so let, let me say, let me say this first. Uh, it, it is funny because I knew from the very beginning I am not Austin Huff. Uh, and that's not to say I'm not as good as Austin Hoff or that I am as good as Austin Hoff. We're just not the same person. There, there really isn't another Austin Hoff. I mean, let's be honest. He's very, uh, a very unique guy. I was meeting with Austin and Zach this morning, the A to Z's of, of A to Z sports. And, and that was something Austin was saying because he, he listens every week. And he said, you know, you're not Austin Hoff, but you never tried to be. And, and it still worked. And so I, I think it's it's been fun in that way, but uh, there is only one Austin Huff, and I'm sure you all will be excited. E- even if you liked having me around, I would be excited to be getting Austin Huff back. Well, you're going to come back around. This is this is not the last oh, yeah. time your voice will be heard on the Tighten Up podcast by any means. Definitely not. So, all right, with all that, we, we got our business out of the way. We're we're now on to Gennaro DiNapoli sode. So, Luke, let's get this thing started. Talk to these people <laughs> about Smash Pest Control. Yes, I would love to talk to these people about Smash Pest Control because if you have menacing bugs in and around your home, now is the perfect time to put in a call to Smash Pest Control. They are the best pest control service in Middle Tennessee. Not only will they take care of your mosquito problems, they also offer crawl space control and they're fully equipped to rid your home of termites and bed bugs, anything in or around your home. Trust Smash Pest Control to get it done. Smash Pest Control hangs their hat on their smash guarantee, which is that if they don't smash, the, the pun there, if they don't smash your pest control problems, the service is free. And right now, you can get your initial pest control service started by mentioning A to Z Sports, and you can get it for just 79 bucks. And let me tell you, you're not going to find a better price than that in the Mid-South. These guys do amazing work all over the Mid-State. Uh, make sure you check them out online, smashpests.com. There you're going to find the many services they have to offer, along with their excellent customer reviews. If you need help with a pest problem, call Smash Pest Control. Their number is 615-581-747. Please tell them that A to Z Sports sent you. 615-581-7473. Smash Pest Control. Those guys rock. All right. Luke, are you ready? I'm ready to go. All right. Then let's talk Titan. It's rolling around the bend And I ain't seen the sunshine Since I don't know when I'm sucking cold from prison Julio Jones is a Tennessee Titan I really never thought that I would be saying those words Well, at least not until last week When I said that I expected that to happen Um, But that was more of a, a, a wishful Me trying to speak it into existence But now that it's a real thing Let's get to it because 
the Titans made a trade with the Atlanta Falcons and um, it, what could be considered as a win-win for both sides. The, the Falcons are dumping a significant portion of their salary cap um, onto the Titans. And the Titans in return, they're giving up a second and a fourth round draft pick to acquire Julio Jones and a sixth round draft pick from the Falcons. So let's start there, Luke. Let's evaluate the trade, um, you, you know, just just on the surface. Just looking at what mm-hmm. the Titans gave up, looking what the Titans received. How do you grade this trade and, and how do you view it for, if you're, um, you know, analyzing this trade, breaking this down while also considering the salary cap part of things? Yeah, it honestly bugs me from a Falcons perspective. The fact that they have this franchise cornerstone player who will go down as one of their all-time greats and one of the all-time greats in the league. And in the middle of his prime or at the end of his prime, they trade him for a second and fourth round pick. And I know that their hand was sort of forced because of the salary cap. But if I'm Terry Fontenot, the, the general manager in Atlanta, I, I don't love this. And he probably doesn't. This was probably not a deal that – you know, he was, you know, blowing up balloons for at the end to celebrate. This was probably pretty painful for them to have to do because they didn't have much of a choice with the salary cap constraints that the previous regime in Atlanta with uh, Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov put them under. And, And I would hate that as the new general manager. Like my first big thing is get rid of the big fan favorite wide receiver that everyone loves. So it bugs me from a Falcons perspective. And, and, and I might've tried even harder to, to try to be able to keep Julio Jones. If I was the Falcons. Now I, I do know that he requested a trade. He wanted out, but I, I feel like perhaps more could have been done to convince him that, Hey, this isn't a rebuild. We're going for it. Now we're going to draft that tight end from Florida and, and you know, all that good stuff. But that's beside the point. Now Julio Jones is a Titan. And in stark contrast, I think the Titans hit a home run here. I think that when you can get a player of his caliber for a second-round pick and a fourth-round pick, and you get a sixth-round pick back, I think you pull the trigger on that in just about any situation, but especially one that the Titans were in where they desperately needed help at wide receiver. This this – vaults the Titans wide receiving corpse, right? Their room prior to this trade behind AJ Brown was dreadful. I mean, let's just say it how it was. Josh, Josh Reynolds comes in. He's been a wide receiver three his whole career, sometimes wide receiver four. Then behind him, I mean, I love Nick Westbrook Akine. Don't get me wrong. And I love Mason Kinsey and Cam Batson's fun. Um, but those aren't guys you really want to want to take yeah. into battle with you against some of the NFL's top secondaries. So you bring Julio Jones in. And what that does is immediately throws the Titans receivers into a position where you must respect them. Not only do you have to watch or play Derrick Henry for the run, but now what are you going to do with your safeties? Are you going to leave are you going to go cover two and leave two back there and like Derrick Henry just tear you up? Are you going to bring one up? And then you have to figure out which one to use on A.J. Brown, which one to use on – or if you want to use it on A.J. Brown or Julio Jones because those are two guys that can just torch defenses and have done have done that. A.J. Brown in two years, Julio Jones in ten, having seven years where he's eclipsed 1,000 yards receiving 
And uh, until a you know nagging hamstring last season, he had six straight seasons of 1,300 plus receiving yards. This guy completely yeah. transforms and gives the Titans so many more options uh, now on what what they can do on the offensive side of the ball. And it, it gets me thinking, Luke. Where do you where, where is the Titans' offense compared to the rest of the league? Is it top five? Is it top ten? Is it top three? Is it the best? Oh, it's it's definitely top five because they were top five last year and they're better now than they were last year. You know, the conversation two of us and, and everybody else has been having is, you know, the Titans offense was so good last year, but they lost Corey Davis and they lost John U. Smith and and oh, how are they ever gonna be the same? Okay, now that conversation's out the door because the receiving course better now than it was last year. Because you go from a, a trio of wide receivers in A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, Adam Humphreys, and you keep A.J. Brown, and then you improve both of the other two guys. Josh Reynolds better than Adam Humphreys, who didn't really do much for the Titans. And, of course, Julio Jones is, is leaps and bounds better than, than Corey Davis, though he, he's also leaps and bounds better than just about any other receiver in the league. And this also, like you mentioned, this whole idea of pick your poison defense, and it makes life difficult because you can't double anybody. You can't focus on anybody overly hard. And with that, you know you know what I haven't heard in a few days? The whole, well, you know, if Jeff Swain's on the field, they're going to run the ball. <laughs> if Ferkser's on the field, they're going to throw the ball. That's a problem. No one cares about that anymore, as they shouldn't. Uh, because when you have Julio Jones and A.J. Brown and Josh Reynolds and Anthony Ferkser and Derrick Henry and Darrington Evans, you're going to be okay. And some of what Julio – and I look, Julio Jones is paid to catch footballs and, and to catch a lot of them. Um, but also, Julio Jones is no slouch in run blocking either. The dude's huge. He's strong. He's got strong, long arms. He can give you some help there, and I, I know a lot of people. You know, Corey Davis stands. That was their that was their calling card with with CD. You know, he he can he can block. Well, I don't care. Like, you got to be able to go for funny. over a thousand yards too. My buddy Will from the No Nonsense podcast. Uh, we used to go at it all the time over Corey Davis. Him, pro Davis, me sort of anti. And I, I, I sent him, I was never actually going to post this, but I had like typed out a tweet and, and I screenshotted it. And the tweet said, finally, the Titans have a wide receiver too, whose best ability isn't his blocking. <laughs> you, you sign receivers to catch the ball. If they can block, yeah. that is a bonus. But that should not be your number one trait, um, which it, it's, at times it seemed like it might be for Corey Davis. Now he's gone and we're happy for him. He got, he, you know, he secured the bag in New York. Um, but, but he's also playing for the Jets. So, um, but back to Julio is this has to be the biggest trade in Titans history. I mean, the best trade in Titans history was probably the Ryan Tannehill deal with Miami. That was probably the best, but the biggest, the most impactful trade when we're talking about this Titans team moving from just, you know, playoff contenders to absolute and total Super Bowl contenders. This Julio Jones deal gets you pretty damn close to that. I don't know. Trading up for uh, Rashawn Evans in the first round, like that's a close competitor. <laughs> Go on. I'll say this, though. I'll say this. Uh, Doriel Green Beckham 
for Dennis Kelly. That's a really good one. That's one that's underrated. Yeah. I did a podcast in Philadelphia this morning, uh, and <laughs> and that came up in, in the conversation we were having. I think you're right. Uh, Tannehill is obviously number one because it's a quarterback, and that completely alters the direction of the franchise. And the reality of this situation is, is that if they hadn't made that uh, trade to get Ryan Tannehill, John Robinson may not be the general manager right now. I mean, that's something you have to think about because the Titans would have gone from Marcus Mariota to perhaps nothing. And so – that's number one, but Julio certainly, if he pans out, will be number two because of just how talented he is and the effect he's going to have on defenses and the effect he has on the receiver room. Because we already sort of hit on this, but you know, a week ago we sit look at this receiver room and, and we're like, this is kind of buns, right? It's, I mean. Maybe a right. get by. I mean, we were, we were we were having that conversation with Tehran a few weeks ago. It's like you can kind of get by and turn Julio into this, or excuse me, turn AJ into sort of this maximized wide receiver one. But now you sit here and you're like, man, these guys are lethal. And it's a big deal. It really is. So let's talk about John Robinson. You mentioned him. And obviously this conversation is going to spill over to, to, to J-Rob. And when you look at the offseason that he had last year, just completely whiffed on Jadavian yeah. Clowney, on Vic Beasley, on most of the entire draft class. Um, Isaiah Wilson being – you know, obviously the biggest disappointment probably in Titans history when we're talking about uh, draft busts. But he's he, he's gone from that, and we we knew and we said this before the draft. All, every Titans fan, every every person who covered the team was on board. They said, this has to be John Robinson's best offseason. There isn't a whole lot of room for error. Oh, yeah. So he has to knock, you know, you know while, while most general managers are attempting to hit singles, maybe a couple doubles in between, John Robinson with this roster, he's got to swing for the fences, and he's done just that. Bud Dupree, Danico Autry, Janoris Jenkins, you get younger in the secondary, you get faster in the secondary. And now, after losing Johnny Smith, Corey Davis, and Adam Humphreys, you go out and you trade for Julio Jones. He he had, you know, John Robinson, you can you can talk about his misses in the draft as much as you want. I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough game. Drafting in the NFL is a tough game, but we've got to give him his flowers right now. You know, there's a reason why uh, John Robinson gets paid the big, big bucks. And, and you know, th- th- this, this kind of validates uh, all of that. And John, it's not like John Robinson was ever on any hot seat, but damn, this really elevates him. And, and if this works, if this Julio Jones thing works, if Julio Jones, uh, you know, can, can eclipse a thousand yards and the Titans offense can stay healthy uh, then there's really no reason for them not to at least make the AFC championship game. Yeah, I, I want to say this. I, I think there's a contingent of Titans fans that even before this Julio Jones thing believed that John Robinson never deserves any criticism and how dare you beseech his name because he drafted Derrick Henry and he traded for Ryan Tannehill. And the reality is, is that every general manager messes up sometimes. And when they mess up, you you say, people, I mean, there's a difference between the fire J-Rob crew, if you will, which is patently absurd, and the people like I have been who are like, hey, this guy really screwed up last offseason season. And, and and it was a bad offseason. They talked all the time about bringing in guys who love ball, and they've got 
Isaiah Wilson, Vic Beasley, and Jadavian Clowney will flunk that test massively. But I think you're right, Jack, that he's done a nice job this offseason of at least trying to rebound, right? We don't know if any of these moves are going to no. work out. They could all fail, theoretically, but and he's the, trying, and, and right? Luke, he, he doesn't just sit on his hands, and that's what I respect the most about him is he's always, ever since he took over, has been see-need, fill-need. He's not this guy who's just going to acquire random players and hope they fit in. He's going to get his team to a point where they're complete and, and, and ready to compete at a high level. And he doesn't sit on his hands and say, well, this will be okay, I guess. He goes out and he fixes things. And that's why he's good at his job. You, you, made, a, you made a few great points. And another thing that, that we need to be very clear about is um, this offseason isn't over for John Robinson. This is by no means a success just because you signed Julio Jones. This draft class, you, you, ha- you have to get something out of this draft class. And to be honest with you, oh, yeah. while Caleb well, Farley is yeah. an elite talent, there is some strikeout potential there. You cannot strike out completely with on back-to-back first-round picks. So yeah. his draft class, we'll, we'll have to do some of that for him. And, you know, there's some and- guys like last year. Christian Fulton. And last Aaron year's Kinnick. draft class needs to produce exactly. as well. Exactly. So none of be- them have done anything. Just because John Robinson has seemingly knocked it out of the park in free agency, that's not all of it. You know, we, we they still need some production out of uh, out of draft picks, especially in the secondary this season. So uh, the jury, it's still out, but. Look, let's celebrate one of his one of his finest moments since he did, yeah. got the job in Tennessee. While he totally. Came. All right, well, that's Julio Jones. You know, I mean, I, I can't I, I can't get over it. It happened Sunday, and I I thought it would take a little longer. It seemed like they were going to drag things out, but when the Falcons said, you know, we're or, or when when a report broke that said that the Falcons were kind of sitting back, relaxing, thinking things over, listening to everything, it seemed like they had pro- there was probably a ceiling there that the Falcons had figured out, and it happened to be a second round pick. So Julio Jones joins the Titans, and Luke, I brought this up with Buck a little bit, but I want to I want to pick your brain on this real quick, and then we'll get to Buck. Okay, Julio Jones in his career, he he's been number one. He's been the primary option on offense when you talk even running backs, other receivers. Aside from the first couple of years he was in the NFL, and Roddy Wright was in his prime. Aside from those two years, two three years, Julio Jones has been the number one option on his entire team. Uh, he has, Luke. I mean, you can, you can well, argue. I mean, Calvin Ridley. Maybe, maybe Ridley some... last year, this past season. But that's just, you know, Julio Jones was hurt, and that's yeah, hard yeah. to grade. But, but you're, you're, you're right. You're right. And, 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 you know, he enters Tennessee. Derrick Henry is who defenses are focusing on. A.J. Brown. Secondaries are showing a lot of attention to. So Julio Jones now comes in here, and at his, you know, he's not old, but he is 32. So uh, this just makes a ton of sense for both sides. Seems like a perfect fit for Julio. And when you have a, a, a deep ball, an accurate deep ball passer in Ryan Tannehill, the Titans are, are just are so attractive in that regard for wide receivers like Julio Jones. Um, I, I can't get over it. And to be honest, this to, to me, this leaves the Colts in the dust a little bit. The Colts haven't really done a whole lot to improve oh, yeah. their roster this offseason, while the Titans, they got their hands dirty. You know, they, they went out you know, and the Colts spent have done, money. they sat on their hands. Mm-hmm. The Colts have sat on their hands. 
I mean, I guess they went out and got Carson Wentz, but who gives we'll talk to Buck about Carson Wentz. I, I got asked about I, – I did a radio show uh, a hit on Monday, I think it was, and got asked about Julio and all of this. And they asked about the Colts, and I'm like, well, they traded for the worst quarterback in the NFL last year. Like, why do we all of a sudden think that they're going to be fantastic as a result? It doesn't but, that, that, that that's is- – that's beside the point. It's, it's mind-boggling, the respect that the Colts are still getting when the Titans, on paper, and now I, this has to translate to an actual football field, but on paper, this is the best roster, head and shoulders in the division, and it is up there in, in the AFC. It is it is very up there. I'm talking, you know, can, can competes with the Chiefs. I get it that they have Mahomes and the most talented quarterback in football and a great wide receiver. And I'm gonna, but it is I'm going to say there. this, too. This, this tweet deserves being read. This I, I mentioned Will earlier. I'm going to read something that he tweeted the other day. He said, if you see someone who's concerned about Julio Jones' injury history, but they have been hyping up Paris Campbell, Derwin James, Carson Wentz, Saquon <laughs> Barkley, and Christian McCaffrey, they are either morons or they're falling into groupthink instead of using their brain, which is absolutely true because all five of those players, Campbell, James, Wentz, Barkley, McCaffrey, are like media favorites. Like that we keep hearing about, oh, the great Derwin James, the great Paris Campbell, who's <laughs> by the way, has done nothing, nothing. since being drafted. Uh, all of these guys get hurt constantly, or at least recently have had big injuries in the case of McCaffrey and Barkley. But but those guys are fine. But Julio Jones, it's a problem. I I, I I'm with Will there. I don't I don't get it. And that also falls into the weird Colts love where yeah. we are just told that well, trust us, Carson. I mean, you have Dan Orlovsky going on ESPN talking about he's going to be a, a, a top 10 quarterback this year because he just believes in Carson Wentz. And it's the same thing with the same thing happened with Mariota. People were just in denial and delusional about him. But to add to your point, Odell, Odell Beckham Jr., and there's a lot of love for the Cleveland Browns and what they have on offense. They've spent a ton of money on that side of the ball. I have the Titans. But to me, if if you're if you're if you're directly comparing the two offenses, Cleveland and Tennessee, Tennessee has to has to get the nod because if you're worried about Julio Jones and a hamstring issue, oh. you've got OBJ coming off an ACL surgery. There, there is a, it, in, I don't know how to how to really say this. It's not particularly it's close. Over, I don't. It's think. almost an overreaction, just because Julio is on the wrong side of thirty and. You know, NFL fans, and, and a lot of this is due to fantasy football, are so used to seeing a guy produce at a certain level. And for Julio Jones, that level was 1,300 receiving yards. That was his number that he consistently got to for the last six seasons. Yeah. For him to, for him to have a, a complete drop-off, mainly due to not being available for the, for seven games last season, there's going to be an overreaction there. And there's going to be, you know, oh, Julio had a bad year. That must mean he's aging. That must mean he's declining. That must mean he's out of his prime. When in reality, looking at Julio Jones's entire career, last season was an anomaly, and I, I truly believe that. And those people who are worried about Julio Jones and completely ruling out the Titans because of Julio Jones's age and hamstring issues last season, you're right, are, are the same guys who are out there caping for guys like Derwin James, like Paris Campbell. Although, I've, to be fair, Luke, I don't think I've ever heard anyone cape for Paris Campbell. So <laughs> I'll, I'll say that. Well, I well, – 
I have heard people saying, because one of my points with the Colts is who are their weapons? Michael Pittman was strikingly average as a rookie. Paris Campbell has done nothing. And T.Y. Hilton's old and, and actually over the hill, unlike Julio Jones. But yet all you hear is, oh, but Paris Campbell, uh, young, up-and-coming, deep threat. Paris Campbell. Like, based on what? Give me a break. Jesus Christ. All right. We're going we're gonna to continue this conversation with Buck Rising. You're going to love to hear some of this stuff. Um, Buck did not hold back. Uh, he, he had some great stuff to say, and we went further. We, we dove deeper into the Titans offseason. We got to some of the defense and, and, and Jim Schwartz and Shane Bowen and all of that. Um, so stick around. Buck Rising is going to come up here in a second. But before we get to Buck, let me say a quick word about Mill Creek Brewing Company, located at 2008B Johnson Industrial Boulevard in Nolensville, Tennessee. Mill Creek has one of the coolest tap rooms in Middle Tennessee. Over 20 unique Mill Creek beers on tap. Some of my favorite, Little Darling, Juicy Days. Um, I had an amber ale of theirs that I like. They've got a Lucky Scotch ale that's new. And, you know, it's, it's time to cool down. Stay hydrated, but also cool down with some ice-cold, refreshing Mill Creek beer. Uh, escape from the rain. There's going to be a lot of rain this week. Get on out to Mill Creek this weekend. You can watch Tennessee and Vandy. Both are in the in the Super Regionals in college baseball. Exciting times for both of those programs. Nobody throws a party like Mill Creek Brewing Company. You can check them out online at millcreekbrewingco.com to see some upcoming events such as Trivia Night on Thursdays and live music performances at the breweries. Uh, Brian Golden, the Brian Golden Blues Experiment is performing live at Mill Creek on Saturday, June 19th. So if you're a Blues fan, make sure to circle that date, June 19th. Brian Golden Blues Experiment. They're going to be out at Mill Creek. Um, and, and when you head out to Mill Creek, because I know you will and I know you should, make sure to tell them that the Tighten Up podcast sent you. All right. You've heard from me and Luke. Now it's time to hear from Buck Rising. So, that being said, let's get to Buck Rising. This week's guest was kind enough to join us between pedicure appointments. He has to be the only member of Titans Twitter comfortable enough to put his bare feet on the internet. You know, since the last time we spoke to him on this podcast, he's moved up in the world, but surely that hasn't gotten to his head. You can listen to him on weekdays from 10 to 1 on 104.5 The Zone and on A to Z Sports Primetime online, 8 p.m. Sunday night through Thursday night. He's among the least behaved users on all of twitter.com but i encourage everyone to give him a follow if you're not already doing so at buck rising buck how are you doing man i think i'm pretty reserved for what the internet looks like i don't think i'm one of the worst behaved on twitter in fact i'm, I'm i think of myself a little bit as the dark night i'm there to keep the peace <laughs> Buck's yeah. twitter is just one giant one buck's twitter is just one giant tease like the instagram questions it's like come ask buck rising your instagram questions he won't answer them, but come ask him. And then it's like, you know, the, the Titans may perhaps be interested in this. Yeah. Oh, I'm then... sorry, Luke. Do you want to feel the Instagram <laughs> questions? Have you seen what the back end of the Instagram questions look like? Buddy, if you want to take that off my plate, it's all yours. Go you crazy. Know, you, I mean, you already go to the trouble of like clicking on it and setting up the nice picture and everything. You might as well like answer the question. I do answer almost all the questions except for the stupid ones. I don't have time for the stupid ones. I don't have time the for problem much is they're all The problem is they're all stupid. 
Well, you know, listen, I can't, I love all of the people that follow us on social media, their levels of intelligence. I cannot speak to. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Buck, you have to at least accept the responsibility and the role that you have uh, kind of created for yourself as at least the, the head antagonizer of Titans Twitter. The polls uh, yeah, you are know part what? of it. I will, I will accept, I will accept uh, antagonizer in chief. Um, as it relates to the Titans Twitter world, I think that, uh, I think that, listen, you gotta, you gotta find a way to, to carve out a, a role for yourself. And if I gotta be the bad guy, somebody's gotta be the bad guy. <laughs> so at least I can be, uh, the bad guy, but not a complete dick on social media. Like it's difficult for some people to do. <laughs> All right, Luke, I know you wanted to start him out with something. What, what do you have? Yeah, so I have a buddy who, who's told me this story a long time ago, and and constantly he says, have you told Buck the story yet? I'm like, well, I'll tell him the next time we're on air together. And have you told Buck? So here's the story. I, I just think you'll find this funny, and everyone will find this funny, knowing who Mike Vrabel is. So this hmm. friend of mine has a mutual friend of uh, Carter Vrabel. So there's my friend, and then in the middle there's this guy who went to high school with Carter Vrabel. And Carter Vrabel knowing being the Carter, youngest son of the Vrabel family. Yeah. So through knowing Carter, this guy got Mike Vrabel's cell phone number. And, and I don't I, I like corny things, so I just get a kick out of this. Before every game last season, this guy would text Mike Vrabel simply, good luck, coach. Before every single game. And apparently after the first one, Vrabel responded and said, thanks who is this <laughs> and and he never he never said who it was but for the rest of the season every game good luck coach. good luck today coach yeah and and did he only respond and, the one time yes <laughs> yeah i mean it would it's uh, listen i respect the trolling in it um, I considered paying $250 to buy Paul Kaharski a happy birthday message from Mike Vrabel's cameo. I am still <laughs> considering doing that for my own entertainment purposes. Um, so I, I do think there is a, you know, look, nobody takes more, more pleasure in trolling inadvertently trolling Mike Vrabel than uh, the Titan Up podcast's own Luke Worsham. So I think that's something you certainly can respect. Hey, Buck. I mean, what are we doing? Let's talk about some Julio Jones. Uh, Please. Can you believe this happened? Uh, there, there became a point, and I, we had Lucas Panzica on last week, and I told him there was. it's gotten to the point where I was almost expecting it to happen, and that's, you know, that's a tough spot being a Titans fan, expecting the front office to go out and make a big splash, but they did it. I, I mean, Julio Jones completely transforms what the Titans can do on offense, um, especially through you know Ryan Tannehill and his arm this season. Yeah. So, I mean, as to the believability, I, I think it changed drastically over the last, what, maybe 17 days to put uh, a kind of general number on it. I think everything started um, pre-draft with the idea that Julio Jones would be even available to another NFL team that would trade for him. And then things kind of got to the point where Diana Rossini is saying, yeah, okay, they've had conversations because everybody had had conversations with the Falcons at that point, but it's a long shot. And then as you, uh, kind of like, kind of like when Kaharski got the COVID, uh, COVID NBA reporting wrong on the locations and how many locations and what days people were practicing 
after Diana tweeted that out, I had people reaching out to me saying, no, like this is very much of a very much of a long shot at all. And I had conversations as late as Friday, basically saying, yeah, we're very, very much in this thing. Um, and there's not much. There are very few teams who actually are outside of Seattle and maybe the Rams and maybe the Ravens and maybe not. They're just kind of sniffing around. Um, but the reality of the situation was the Titans were the only team that was willing to pay the bulk, if not all, of Julio Jones' $15.3 million total cash salary, including the $23 million in change cap hit that they'll take on. Atlanta's got to eat $7 million in a dead cap, but that was what they wanted. They wanted financial relief. Terry Fontenot got a disaster of a financial situation dropped in his lap, and now he's having to rectify it. And Tennessee was the one who was willing to eat most of the money that they were trying to get off their books. That with the reality that there was not that much of a bidding war for them. There's a lot of talented wide receivers out there that don't cost 15 million or 23 million or however much Julio Jones will end up making when he eventually, because I'm certain that's what's on the horizon comes to the table after he has a decent year in 2021 and says, yeah, I want a contract extension, even though I've got two years left on my deal. There's a lot of teams out there who have young wide receiver talent that weren't necessarily in a desperation position to have to make this move. Titans were. And what, what kind of, it makes it easier on John Robinson in this front office. When you, when you part with draft capital like that, especially, you know, from an organization that has really struggled to hit early on is mainly in the first round on draft picks, you give up a second. What kind of softens the blow is there is an expectation that the Titans will be receiving a third round compensatory pick due to Corey Davis's departure. So maybe the Titans aren't really giving up all that much. It's just, you know, the big burden is obviously Julio Jones's contract and what, what they're going to owe him and, and count against the cap this season. But uh, I understand Ryan Tannehill's contract is, is being restructured. Uh, yeah. Rap sheet had that earlier today. They're going to clear up about just over $15 million to make room for Julio. But this is the thing. Like when you look at, when you look at total cash value for, for wide receiver contracts right now, Tyler Lockett is currently the most expensive wide receiver in football at this point, excuse my alarm. Um, and Julio Jones is 11th. He is two spots above. Uh, Corey Davis is making $14 million in total cash this year. Julio Jones is making 15.3. When you juxtapose it that way, you realize just how good a value this player is at. And honestly, it probably factors in to how many teams wanted to trade for him because Julio has always been well aware of his market value. It kind of got lost in, in the Antonio Brown Raiders saga because that was the same week that he got cut when Julio got the extension um, Antonio Brown freezing the bottoms of his feet off in a bunk cryogenic <laughs> chamber in France before signing up to go play in Las Vegas with Johnny Gruden um, Julio uh, held out and pushed for a contract extension a massive contract extension at the time when wide receivers weren't making 20 million dollars a year Julio got 22 and it kind of went under the radar but he has been problematic for people in Atlanta's organization. I've talked to people in Atlanta's organization. He can kind of be a pain in the ass. And it's because he understands just how good he is still and what his value is compared to the rest of the market. And that probably factors into the teams uh, who were, or more importantly, who were not willing to trade for him because they don't, they don't need a bloated wide receiver salary when he gets to be 33 and 34. Is there any downside to this? 
like I just did a podcast and someone asked me, uh, you know, is there a downside to this? And I'm thinking like with the way the wide receiver core was before getting him, like this had to happen, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the downside is his injury history um, and it's accumulating and he's getting older and he doesn't practice hardly at all in the last two years because he is trying to find a way to get to Sundays and that's become quite difficult for Julio Jones. So, I mean, the downside is hypothetical at this point. We have no way of knowing uh, how long he will be able to sustain or how many games out of 17 he'll be able to actually play and what their, uh, what their minutes restriction for lack of a better term is going to be on a player like this. But you know, if, if that, if the worst case scenario comes to pass and the Titans don't get a full season of Julio Jones or something close, then you're back to square one in, in the sense that this is one, uh, this is a wide receiver core. That's one AJ Brown injury away from being probably the worst in football. Julio Jones makes all the difference in the world from that regard. And if you've given up draft capital for a guy who can't play, then you're shit out of luck, but these are all hypotheticals and you can't do the analysis that way. This is an exceptional move for a team that desperately needed to replace 45% of their receiving production. You know, when, when we were talking to John Robinson on Sunday, he said this was something that had been in the works for a few weeks, which, which got me thinking. So the decision to not draft the receiver very highly, was that done thinking they would get Julio Jones? Or was that done with a misguided confidence in the likes of Jack's buddy, Nick Westbrook, Akina, Akina and... Akine, excuse me, <laughs> and some of those other guys, and this just kind of was the luck of the Irish. Um, NWI wide receiver two for uh, now until the end of time, of course. We yes, cannot course. put any evil on this man's name. Never forget the uh, special teams tackle against Detroit. Um, but for from, from my understanding, they – they went into that draft not banking on Julio Jones and their draft strategy may now in retrospect reflect that the idea they may be able to get Julio Jones. And that may be a way that they tell you to try and soften things about what their draft strategy actually was, but that was who they were planning on rolling with not drafting a tight end waiting until day three to take uh, to trade up and get this Fitzpatrick and try to piece together the core of a team that couldn't afford to pay anybody else. Now, uh, would, would it have been Julio Jones or another wide receiver? It's entirely possible that they felt confident in being able to acquire somebody else that wasn't quite the caliber of this player. I think that's very real. It's why every time we're out at OTA practice, Luke John has been hovering over the wide receiver position as much as the rest of the media has, because John's trying to figure out what exactly the hell he has over there and how much substantially it needs to be upgraded. Turns out quite a bit. So uh, I, I think that I think that to put Julio into that you know into that conversation is is probably a little nearsighted, a little short-sighted. Because I think it could have been another wide receiver and it just ended up being Julio Jones, which is their luck. And Julio Jones, who is 32 right now, the wrong side of 30, but prior to last season, he'd strung together six consecutive years of over a thousand yards receiving. And now you know, entering Tennessee, he's jumping into a role where he's not going to be the focal point of the defense. And this might be the first time in his career that that's the case outside of, you know, the early days when he was playing with Roddy White alongside him in Atlanta. But 
he's not going to be number one. Derrick Henry's got that in a bunch of weeks this season. He might not even be the number two. A.J. Brown's outside as well. Um, how much does that impact what Julio can do in this offense? I, I, I get that he's up there in age, but not having to shoulder the load, does that make it easier on him? I'm sorry. I'll answer your question here in a second. Luke, did you just, did you just yawn? Did you just yawn in the middle of this podcast? Uh, Is that what the hell I saw? Luke, You're yawning? I, what do you got to be tired about? What are you yawning for? What the hell is that? Look, look, this is Luke's last <laughs> podcast with the Tighten Up Pod. So Why? Who, are, who are you getting to replace him now? What's happening? Austin Huff is returning. Okay. So so this is Luke's this is Luke's <laughs> last one. So we gotta take it part. easy on him. We gotta take it easy on him, Buck. We gotta take it easy on Luke, him. Also, He's out here. Why are we yawning? No yawning allowed. We we've talked about this, I feel like. <laughs> I didn't know that I yawned. I'm sorry. The disrespect. And now anyway. I'm gonna do it again because I'm thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, yes, it does make Julio Jones' life substantially easier to have AJ Brown and to have Derrick Henry. Um, I'm sure a lot of a lot of teams. It, I'm sure we'll see a trend. To be honest with you, where a lot of teams start out keying off of Julio and the production or lack thereof reflects the fact that he's attracting the majority of the attention. And then when AJ Brown has a couple of games where he goes off for over hundred yards receiving and a couple of touchdowns or Derrick Henry starts to be the focal point again, then they'll make adjustments. And the beauty of the Titans offense now is that they have multiple answers to whatever the defense presents them with. Um, Julio Jones is, is uh, he, AJ Brown is wide receiver one. AJ Brown is the future of the Tennessee Titans offense not just the wide receiving position I think that Derek I mean Derek's shelf life not just because of the position that he plays but certainly because of the money that they just added with Julio he was always on a two-year contract at this point and I think you're going to see trends with their offense start to reflect that but certainly Julio Jones is is going to have the ability to uh to ease up a little bit but let's not let's not sleep on Calvin Ridley because Calvin Ridley has been absolutely kicking ass in Atlanta with Julio Jones to oh, yeah. run off of. Maybe, maybe teams are keying more off of Julio that's allowing for Calvin Ridley's production that way. But there's been plenty of games. I saw it on SportsCenter while I was doing the radio show today. been plenty of games where Calvin Ridley has absolutely gone off and Julio Jones hasn't played last year. Because, of course, he only played in nine games in 2020. So, I mean, Julio is at the tail end of his prime. He can still absolutely burn you. He's top five receiver in the NFL if everything's right. And even to a degree when he's working through some things. Um, but every, everybody's going to eat as a result of this as long as this dude can stay healthy. I was going to ask next, um, you know, we've seen some reactions from the talking heads in the national media. Uh, Colin Cowherd saying, you know, Julio Jones doesn't really change all of that much for the Tennessee Titans. They still have glaring deficiencies on defense, a revamped secondary you had to retool in the offseason. While I, I, I don't think it's that serious, um, what does Julio Jones do for the Titans' Super Bowl chances? Because, you know, the defense is a huge question, but Julio Jones has to improve it at least a tick. Well, I mean, Vegas certainly thinks so. Uh, yeah. Jack, you're, you're, I'm certain, certain all over this. The Vegas thinks that it affects their chances very much. I mean, I, I frankly disagree with Super Bowl. Like, I think, I think they're favored to win the division. They have better top end talent than the Colts. Colts are probably a deeper team, to be honest with you, across the board. Um, but like, does this get them? Does this leapfrog Cleveland? Does this uh, put them past the Bills? Certainly not Kansas City. I think Julio makes their lives a lot easier. Uh, and certainly 
they are going to, they, they looked like a team that may be on the decline when last we saw them against Baltimore. Mike Vrabel has won every year that he's been here. He has incrementally improved this team every year that he's been here. And he's certainly not the type that's going to be interested in taking a step back when he has the opportunity, him and John Robinson, to add talent to the football team to continue to make them competitive. Um, I, I think if you're believing in the Titans right now, it's not that you're believing that much in Julio Jones. It's that you're believing in Ryan Tannehill to be able to execute all of this stuff, which is perpetually slept on by the aforementioned national media. Ryan Tannehill is ruthlessly efficient. He's as good statistically as Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes since he's been inserted into the starting lineup. The Titans offense reflects as such, and certainly Arthur Smith had a great deal to do with that. But if you're buying into this team, it's because of the quarterback, not just because he got a new toy. You know, with me, it's rarely sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> but I'm going to look at this Titans team in relation to them being Super Bowl contenders and say the offense last year was good enough to win a Super Bowl, and the offense is better now. Then – you look at that defense, which was totally unwatchable in 2020, and it has been completely purged and revamped. They're going to have seven new starters. That's the magic number I keep using in 2021. They also have Jim Schwartz, and they have Shane Bowen, who now has a real job, which we will get into more in just a moment. That's a real job. Look at you. Disrespect. I don't I, – I don't – that was a shot at Mike Vrabel, not Shane Bowen. I'm not going to say that they're going to win the Super Bowl, but this like is a really exciting team with a lot more potential than they've had in a long time, I think. Um I mean, yeah, this is this is the this is the the wet dream. This is uh John Robinson <laughs> look this is John Robinson looking at uh looking at Antonio Andrews who now is uh, running around ten roof oh, fighting women's noses fighting people uh, in the nose oh. fighting people in the nose straight up bath salt shit um uh, looking at Antonio Andrews and Kendall Wright and Marcus Mariota and uh, Justin Hunter and being like what the hell is this thing I completely need to change over the parts and all he did was upgrade it with Derrick Henry Ryan Tannehill Julio Jones and AJ Brown like you 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 are accurate in what you're saying. And the defense, I mean, it can't, they could trip and fall into, into 19 sacks again. They really could. They could, they could, it's almost impossible for them to have a worst, a worse third down percentage allowed than they did last year when the defense was historically terrible in that regard. The thing that you worry about from a defensive standpoint is that they were exceptional at creating turnovers, even amidst chaos amongst themselves. That's the one thing that we see them coach almost every day, Luke, when we're out there at practice. Mike and Shane and the entire defensive coaching staff harp on creating turnovers, and they finish tops in the league in that regard. Um, you had the 24th best overall defense last year, and you won the division. If you can get into the top 20, if they can get, just be a degree more competent than they were, and the offense takes a step back, say it's not 30 points a game, say it's 28 if you're just a little more balanced, you can be in more of these games. And I don't know necessarily if you're improving in the, in the win-loss margin because 11 games is, is an accomplishment and it's difficult to repeat. But your division is filled with a bunch of trash bags and you ought to be able to eat off that. So I, there really should be no excuse for them not to get into the postseason. And once you get into the postseason, it's, uh, it's anybody's guess. You think the Colts are trash bag? Because I don't disagree necessarily, but, but the national media thinks that the Colts are – 
God's chosen team that are going to rise from the ashes with their Lord and Savior Carson Wentz. Luke, you're talking to a former Colts player, by the way. (laughs) That's right. He took my job. Um, I, uh, I, you know, uh, there's, there's a joke about, uh, there's a joke to be made about Carson Wentz's religious uh, proclivities, apparently in that, uh, in that, uh, in that statement by Luke Orsham, but I will avoid that for the sake of the tighten up podcast, because this is, this is not among my many platforms. So if I was going to sandbag us, it would be on one of those and not your guys's. Um, but yeah, Thanks, I, you know, yeah, so I'll just, I'm looking out for you. Uh, they got worse at quarterback. Like their defense got worse because one of the best, one of the reasons that DeForest Buckner was so uh, so effective is Danico Autry. And Danico Autry now plays for the Titans. Carson Wentz is a downgrade at quarterback over a washed Phillip Rivers. Um, the offensive line, Eric Fisher is a nice player if he's healthy, but he's coming off an Achilles tear that he had like in late January at that point during the Chiefs AFC run. And the rest of the guys that they signed suck out loud. Um, I... I don't, I don't, I mean, I think Jacksonville and the Colts have the ability to muck things up for you, but in terms of legitimately compete for the division, uh, I don't think, I don't think there's any way that they can keep pace with the team that the Titans have currently constructed. And that's, and Carson Wentz could get better. He was, he was, I think by almost every metric, the worst starting quarterback in football last year, like the Titans defense, he can improve, he can make improvements and that's still not be enough because I mean, the three of us have watched broken quarterback play before with Marcus Mariota. And everything that I watch with Carson Wentz when I go back and look at him on Game Pass screams to me broken. I'm with you. And that that does maybe it's just you know the Vegas has a lot to do with this and in, in people's perception of how the division will play out. But just seeing the Colts in the playoffs so many times over the last decade, seeing the Titans consistently below them. Um, the, the Titans have never won the division in back-to-back seasons since arriving in Tennessee. So in order for that to happen, what, which is more important, you, you, you know, Carson Wentz not playing up to what we saw in Philadelphia when he, uh, right before he got injured on their Super Bowl run, or, you know, the Titans defense playing to, like you said, a top 20, um, defense, you, you know, when, when you rank the when you rank the league's best defenses, uh, it's to me, uh, it's, it's more on the Titan side, obviously, just because that's the team you're talking about, but direct competition. And the only competition in the division is up in Indianapolis. Right. And the thing that you've done to combat that potential competition is, uh, or not sign, but add his former defensive coordinator, who, if anybody will know the deficiencies of Carson Wentz, it's Jim Schwartz, Good no matter point. what role he's in, if, even if, if Shane Bowen is the patsy as Luke uh, Worsham believes him to be, uh, for, you know, the fall guy for Shane Bowen and Mike Rabel and, and Jim Schwartz amidst uh, this three-headed dragon, apparently, of defensive coordinators and alphas among alphas. No, you, you if you're if you're going to put your if you're going to put your money on anything, put it on yourself. Uh, do not do not rely. It's it's you want to be in control of your own destiny. It's the it's the cliche among all football cliches. You don't want to have to put it in somebody else's hands. And your fate is uh, you live or die on the strength or weakness of Carson Wentz. No, you want it to be about the defense, and that should be the focal point for them heading into this year. And based on all the heat that they've gotten. Um, and all the lack of movement they've, they've done on the coaching side of things, because, you know, Mike has been very adamant about this since Cincinnati, basically, that it's not the coaching problem because he oversees all the coaching. Um, so now everybody's got new players to play with. 
try and make this thing work. The question is, you know, are they going to be able to do it? Because for, for as smart a mind as I believe Mike Frabel's uh, uh, football acumen to be, I would like to see a little more uh, X and O X and O efficiency, to be frank with you. I think that's something that they've lacked on that side of the ball. And, and yeah, there's execution on the fall to the players and Rashawn Evans being in every gap, but the one that he's supposed to be is a problem, but also, you know, you've got to improve on that side of things. Got to coach better. Got to play better boys. Oh, we've heard it a thousand times. Hey, are the Titans done adding? I know that Julio Jones puts a real dent in that salary cap number, but they can still restructure a couple contracts. Ben Jones in particular, are, are, are they going to go out and maybe find a, a camp cut or, you know, at, at the tight end position or maybe add an extra pass rusher, such as a Melvin Ingram. Um, are they done in that department? Um, I think, I think it, I think it's more a wait and see approach. Like I, I don't think definitively, like they're going to continue to churn the bottom of the roster, but that's not the kind of question you're asking me. No. Um, I, I think that a Ben Jones extension, not necessarily a restructure, but an yeah. extension makes a ton of sense. But here's the thing, like the other contracts that they can restructure are Derek, Saffold, and, and Taylor Lewan. Byard's already been restructured. You don't want to do it again. Derek is, uh, Derek is going to get more expensive against the cat next year, and you're already going to be ha- – you're going to have now with the restructure of Tannehill, him cap- count against $40 million of your salary cap. Saffold, you can just flat out cut next year, and Taylor Lewan, as long as you don't restructure it, and he plays well, you probably trade him for a fourth-round pick and come out clean on the other side of that. I, I would not, I would not continue to move money around further down the road um, to, cons- to try and construct some kind of super team, because I think, I think that the long-term implications, you want to talk about downside, like Luke was asking me about earlier, the downside is that they mess up their cap for future seasons. And that this thing, for whatever reason, uh, lack of luck, lack of health or otherwise falls on its face. Um. I want to talk about Shane Bowen. You you brought up the, the Patsy comment that I made. <laughs> that press conference that he had last week, and, and we've talked about this a lot already, it was very weird, I thought. There were moments that concerned me, such as when three times he said, we really just need to figure out what these guys do well and then do those things. And my continuous thought was, did that like not occur to you before now? But also it was a little encouraging because – the, the structure of the coaching staff on defense seemingly was a disaster last year because he said he didn't have final say. He was the outside linebackers coach with practice. He's only working with the outside linebackers, not working with the rest of the defense. Now he gets to move around with all the positions. And on top of all of that, you know, we never really knew what anybody's role was until the end of the season when things were a disaster and the Titans lost in the first round of the playoffs. And Mike Frabel goes, all right, guys, I give it up. Okay. It it was Shane's fault. Okay. Like he was the fall guy. That was a phrase you used, I think. Oh, sure. Well, like I think Mike just got tired of answering defensive coordinator questions and said, Shane runs the meeting. Shane calls the plays. Shane, 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 Shane. And, and, you know, I, Mike's, Mike's smart enough to be aware that uh, smart enough to be aware that we're going to harp on everything, every little thing that he says about this particular thing, because it's their biggest problem. Um, so I think he was a little, uh, I think he was a little blase with the way that he answered our questions about defensive coordinator and coaching and responsibilities and things of that nature. Um, 
and and again, you know, they have they have put Bowen in this position. Mike obviously believes in Shane to some degree that we all may not be able to understand because it's tough. To, it's a tough justification to promote him after the year that they had, and that's exactly what they did. So you know, you're you're relying on Vrabel. Uh, and Vrabel's understanding of who he has on his staff and not to get too caught up in this, you know, old boys network of Jonathan Joseph and Jadavion Clowney and all these mm. other dudes from the Texans. They tried to trade for Bernard Dick McKinney before the Dolphins got him like all of Vrabel's old cronies. Yeah, that's a, That was Gross. a thing that happened, Luke. Yeah. Um, before uh, before the boys Miami ended up acquiring him. So, you know, you're hoping that Mike doesn't get too caught up in what he's comfortable with. And. I, I don't I think that I think that Vrabel on the whole shows the ability to adapt at his own pace. It's not when the rest of the world wants him to move. It's when Mike thinks that he's decided that enough of the shit that he's done isn't working the way that he wants to work, and then he'll make a change. He's capable of that. It's just, you know, he's not gonna do it do it on anybody else's timeline. And Buck, I want to ask you because this is a question I've been thinking about, and, and it's an issue that I have when I'm looking at the Titans defense. How confident are you in Janoris Jenkins and his ability to step up and be the number one corner on the uh, NFL football team? At not only at this point in his career, but uh, in a on a team whose secondary was so bad last year that uh, you know they, they couldn't get away with any mistakes. Breon Borders was starting in the secondary. It, it, there were some dark days just a season ago in that secondary, and I'm not sure so sure that Janoris Jenkins uh, really solves any of that. I mean, you, when you watch him on film last year in New Orleans, he looks fine. Like he really does. He looks, he looks, he's, he's faster than Malcolm Butler. I think they're probably a, a push on physicality and how they like to play press man. Now, in theory, they're going to allow Janoris Jenkins to press up on wide receivers in the way that they did not allow Malcolm Butler because they were terrified of getting beat over the top. So they had the corners playing eight or nine yards off the wide receiver just to try and make up for the lack of speed that they didn't have in the secondary without a Dory Jackson on the field. So, I mean, I'm comfortable with Janoris Jenkins. Um, at the, the Caleb Farley, Elijah Molden situation is interesting because we have yet to see either of them in any kind of an expanded uh, sample size. Certainly Farley, who's not yet dressing out at all, and Molden, who's dealing with some mystery injury that we'll never find out until Vrabel has to give us an injury report, and then he'll all but tell us to piss off at that point because they want to draft injured players and then never talk about them, such as life. Is, as a is that a concern? Would you say that's a concern heading into the season? I mean, obviously it is um, when you're not even sure who's going to line up across from Janoris Jenkins, but do you, is it time to start you know, worrying a little that maybe Farley's not going to be ready to go week one? Oh, sure. But Molden, Molden is there as that break glass in, in case of emergency. It's early corner. to be breaking glass in case of emergency in week one. Like hell. Are you kidding me? You, you break, you why, break the why, glass. What do you say? Why is Farley emergency? For, Farley Molden. should just be plan a. Molden, Molden is, is the emergency. Molden, excuse me. I misheard you. Yeah. That, no. that I can go with. Molden is the emergency. Listen, you, Kevin, Kevin Johnson is an interesting factor into all of this because they signed him to play nickel. He retired on Friday. It works out well for the Titans because they get $2.25 million back, which they can use yeah. for Julio Jones and in their attempt to restructure, but also your depth takes a hit. And now you're looking around again at Breon Borders and Christian Fulton and, and two guys who aren't available to you right now, plus Janoris Jenkins and saying, okay, like we're, we're in this, house of cards type secondary situation 
where if Amani Hooker looks even a little bit worse than Kevin uh, than uh, than Kenny Vaccaro did last year, and Kevin Byard doesn't kind of rectify the issues that were around them, and the pass rush stinks again, then your secondary is going to be left vulnerable. But they their their inability to get pressure, I think, is the root of all evil at this point. Like the secondary was just asked to do too much. It was made to look far worse than it might have actually been after they got rid of Jonathan Joseph, who, God love him, was just a terrible football player at this stage of his career and continue to to get a job afterwards, which is (laughs) mind-numbing to me. Um, But, yeah, you you can be concerned at this point because your first-round pick isn't playing. But uh, I I think if you were going to take a gamble on an injured player like that, it would be in the first round when you can go best player available and the ceiling for somebody like that, when he's right, is sky high. He can be a difference maker. Um, and they're saying that they trust the medical. So all you can do is take your word, their word for it at this point. Last thing for you. Are we going to see fixes to the schematic problems they had last year, which is really two things. You, you've mentioned several times that the players were constantly confused about play calls and the scheme, but also some of the weird stuff like Harold Landry playing in coverage and, 10 yards off coverage, even after Jonathan Joseph was gone. You've been to two OTA practices with me. You think that Harold Landry thing's going away? Oh, I've done seven on seven. I feel like you would chap me if I was just take, have a takeaway like that from OTAs. I would, but I'm telling you, I don't think it's going to look much different. I think Mike thinks that the players were the problem. They got new players. Now run my damn defense. Like, I, th- I think that's what you're going to be looking at. Uh, and, and that's the way that they've kind of approached this offseason, even as, in his comments after the fact, I, I think I think that's a big I think that's a big Jim Schwartz thing, though. Like if Jim Schwartz, who is uh, renowned as alpha among alphas, maybe Shane Bowen isn't ready at this point in his career to step up and tell his boss. No, Mike, that shit sucks. We're not running that. Jim Schwartz is going to say, hey, Mike, that shit sucks. That's why you're paying me to be here. Get rid of it. Um, so ultimately, that's what you're kind of leaning on as a senior defensive assistant to kind of be able to check your head coach who may at points need checking based on the uh, the interactions that him and Shane Bowen allegedly had or did not have last year when nobody knew who was running the defense except for Mike Vrabel <laughs> he's at Buck Rising on Twitter Buck before we go over or under a thousand yards for Julio this season oh I think uh in 17 games over 17 over? games over okay yeah even if he doesn't play all of them uh, over he's he's there's too many opportunities for him I think they're going to change a lot of what they do schematically to where it's not just the Derrick Henry show um in an extra game you know hedges my bet so I'll go over yeah okay I like that no tight end you it's going to really take away from you hopefully I mean well I mean hopefully not hopefully you know Furcher steps up but we'll see um at Buck Rising on Twitter you can listen to him from 10 to 1 weekdays on 104.5 The Zone he along with Lucas Panzica our guest last week do a fantastic job um buck we really appreciate your time man i know you're busy uh, and you made it a point to tell me how busy high you were. demand so so i'm just happy you came along today well i'm glad that you reminded me because otherwise god knows what i would be doing um <laughs> but i uh, i appreciate the time as always boys and now i get to pop up twice in the a to z sports podcast network feed so you know who who doesn't need more me at this point <laughs> you're right about that thanks buck see you boys Flags on the field. It's a miracle. Tennessee has pulled a miracle. Fantastic stuff from Buck Rising, the pedicure man, the 104.5. Look, he 
he, he's, he's a big, he's big time now. You know, he made it clear to me when I reached out to him that he had many other offers for podcasts, but he wanted to make sure he spent some time with us. So that's Buck Rising. We know him. We love him. We also know and love DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top-rated sportsbook. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook. It's easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. My friends and family have been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will too. Listen to this great offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. That's right. Pick any basketball team that is still in contention, bet $1, and if that team wins, you win $100 in site credits. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, and so much more all week long. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code A to Z when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code A to Z, A-T-O-Z, for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Tennessee only. Wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text the Tennessee red line, 1-800-889-9789. All right, Luke, Julio Jones wasn't the only big name that the Titans signed this week. All right? they traded no, he was not. They traded for Julio. But the Titans signed a guy who made not as big of a wave, but he made a couple He made a couple ripples in the pond. Adam Kuhn, a former pro wrestler, silver medalist in 2018 when he competed in the, uh, let's see, in the World Wrestling Championships in Budapest, Hungary. Silver medalist, that's pretty good. I mean, the guy's a beast. He's a monster of a man, 6'5", 265. But, Luke, he hasn't played football since high school. What do you know about this guy? Yeah. Here, here's what I want to say about the Adam Kuhn signing. Uh-oh. Okay? Uh-oh. Are you, what do you say with Buck? I'm not all sunshine and rainbows? Is that what you said? <laughs> Look, I don't so much care about the signing. I mean, you want to bring him in, see if he has anything in the tank to give you, fine, whatever. My thing is the reaction, because the reaction I saw for the most part from people on Twitter was, oh, man, this is cool. This will be fun, which I think is the appropriate reaction, to be honest. But where was that energy when the Jaguars signed Tim That's Tebow? not even close to the because same. This, you told me I would hate what you had to say, and I didn't not, know. That's not even close to the it's, same. It's not it's not all that different. It's someone who, who, who is being signed to do something in a professional sports context who has never done that thing before at an amateur level or otherwise. And, and, and it, you know what? It's cool. It's fun. That was my reaction to Tim Tebow. I was like, oh, this will be fun. I can't wait to see the it videos was, of this. It was. And some people's reaction. The re- their reactions went from this is stupid to this will divide the locker room to, well, this is an exercise in white supremacy, which I never understood <laughs> that one. Yeah, so where's that energy for Adam Kuhn joining the Titans? <laughs> it's certainly not um, an extension of white supremacy. I'll agree with you there. But uh, Adam Kuhn, I, look, I so I think it's – I don't think it's a bad idea, first of all. You show me a six-foot-five, 265 guy who has a wrestling background – yeah, he could grapple with some with Good. some big boys. I'm with you. I agree. 
Yeah, and especially if he's got time to develop and learn the guard position. You know, we and it's not like he's never played football before. Um, Tim Tebow came from playing baseball to back to football at a new position. So that's a little that's that's probably more difficult. Adam Kuhn transitioning from world class wrestler to a depth offensive lineman. That's far more reasonable for me. I, I think that that's a possibility. I can do that. I, th- I think that's a po- that. an actual possibility. So I'm, and you see the videos. I love it already. I love hyping because the Titans remember the last couple off seasons, the Titans had a guy that they would hype and his name was Khalif Raymond. Khalif Raymond now plays in Detroit. Mm. So I'm glad that we can fire up the Adam Kuhn hype machine. <laughs> I'm all on board. I was on board right after I saw him squatting humongous logs, like dead tree logs, squatting them in the middle of a forest just like I want out of my offensive linemen. I don't want any of my offensive linemen exercising with actual dumbbells or bars or, or, or anything like that that you would find in a normal weight room. I want them lifting tractors. I want them pulling 18-wheelers. <laughs> I want them squatting 25-foot trees. That's what I want in an offensive lineman. I'm glad we finally have it. The Adam Kuhn hype machine, I will inform you, is now alive and well. <laughs> but – where was that energy with Tim Tebow? Uh, I don't know. Here's the thing. Tim Tebow just pissed me <laughs> off. I'm just pissed off by Tim Tebow. And I think that's okay to be pissed off by Tim Tebow. I don't want to retread you know, uh, our discussion that we had a couple podcasts back when you know the signing was made official in Jacksonville. But let's talk about Adam Kuhn. We've got Adam Kuhn. He's our Tim Tebow. Okay? So... I don't know. I, I'm on board with this, and especially at a, at a position, you know, the Titans haven't had a ton of depth at the guard position before. And so why not exhaust all options? Why not, you, you know, pluck a, a guy with the, the silver medalist in the World Wrestling Championships in 2018? Why not bring him in, see if he can move some guys around? He's done it before. I don't know if it'll work. I think it's fun which was also my reaction to Tim Tebow. Okay. Well, you know what? That's okay. That's all we have to say right now. We'll have plenty more time to talk about Adam Kuhn. Um, once he makes a 53-man roster, we're going to need to get back together. Um, so we, Adam Kuhn is an exciting part uh, of this past week for the Tennessee Titans. But there's a man out there who has not had as an exciting of a week as Adam Kuhn. That's right. We're going we're, we're gonna to debut a new segment right now, right here, right now. The Pac-Man Jones, Kenny Britt, Isaiah Wilson, arrest of the week. That's right. There's a Titan that's been in some trouble, and we're going to get to him. He, he's a Titan that most of you guys will know. He played at Western Kentucky. He's a running back for the Titans. His name's Antonio Andrews. Um, he actually recently was, the, w- w- was a coordinator or a, or a coach in some part at uh, Hillsborough High School, obviously. I don't know if that's still a thing. Yeah. Luke, why don't you go ahead and read what happened to Mr. Andrews over the weekend? Yes. Um, I had it pulled up on my computer, but my computer's giving me troubles now. So I'm going to quickly pull it up on my iPad so that I can actually scroll through the article. But Antonio Brown's was er, yeah, Antonio Andrews. I said Antonio Brown. Uh, there's some similarities perhaps in these stories. Uh <laughs> Antonio Andrews, former starting running back for the Tennessee Titans, the the dark West Rustin Webster days, as you mentioned, he's a an assistant coach at Hillsborough High School. 
and now he has been arrested on charges of aggravated stalking, vandalism, violation of a protection order, and harassment. I don't see assault as a part of these charges, but that might be coming because according to CN or Adelie, I believe you pronounce it Alund or Alund uh, of the Tennessean, at some point, and this is according to an affidavit, not a police report, which means that this is under oath. At some point, Andrews asked the woman, who's his ex-girlfriend, if he could see her phone. When she refused, the complaint alleges that Andrews bit her nose, causing her to drop it. He was unable to get into the phone. This is this is great writing by Natalie. It says Andrews was unable to get into the phone, which broke, according to the affidavit. <laughs> oh, this is so God. weird, man. It's bad. You're lower like, your iPad so the people... I was explaining. Lower the iPad so the people. I, mean, I was can explaining see your this to someone. Oh, so <laughs> I was explaining this to someone, and uh, they were like, "Why would he do it?" And I was like, "Well, she wouldn't show him her phone." Ah, yeah, well, that makes sense, you know. It's a what? proportionate reaction. That's something... That, obviously joking. Yeah, obviously. It's something I, Rashad Weaver would say to the police, probably. Oh, but, oh dear. But, but biting... I would, uh, bite a, I would bite a woman if she needed it. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing, but it is funny. Um, <laughs> when terrible. you say it. When you say it, it's funny. Um, but yeah, so he bit the nose of this, of this poor woman. Bit her nose off. Not off. Like maybe, maybe I want to know. Off. Like this, ha- he, you have to be a crazy person to do that. Like yeah, I wonder I, if he was drunk or high or. That's not. I, I, that's I, not normal. Uh, so like I can see like, not justifying this anyway, but in terms of rationale, why did this happen? You know, if you hit someone, maybe you're mad or you lost control of yourself, and it's totally wrong. At least you understand, like, perhaps what happened. I don't know what happened in his brain to make, okay, I'm going to, like, reach out like a rabid dog and bite her nose. Like, what made that idea come to his head? Yeah, it's not a good look. Um, And definitely an odd crime. No. (laughs) I saw somewhere where, you know, this may have been on a a website. I'm not going to give... Uh, I, sh- I shouldn't even really be following on Instagram. I hate the guy who runs it. Um, but uh, I, they, they report on, you know, arrests around the Nashville area and, and, and stuff like that. And I, I saw the woman, the, the woman whose nose was bitten. I saw what she said and she was, she was like, CTE is real. It's really no joke. Um, and, and maybe what? I don't know that you can really, who, who knows though. I'm not, in, I'm not in any business to, uh, you know, be declaring whether or not CTE contribute to contributed to you know the biting oh, of the nose. But I this reminds me. But before I depart from this podcast, I have to tell my CTE story. Go now's the it's perfect a, it's time. It's a it's a good one. So I I'd totally forgotten about this, but this this is perfect content for this show. Austin would love this story. So <laughs> about a year ago, I guess a little over a year ago. The week before Eddie George was going to have his jersey retired, the Titans send out a press release saying that he was going to be doing an autograph signing at a park in Franklin 
and that um, if if a reporter wanted to come, he'd be happy to talk to reporters. And I thought, oh, that, that'll be fun. You, you know, spend the morning at the park, talk to Eddie George, go get lunch. All right. So I show up, but I ended up being the only reporter who went. Uh, and so I got a one-on-one with Eddie, and it was great. And, and we cut up about uh, his career and football and the retirement and, and all that good stuff. But it, what really was memorable about that experience was what happened before that. So before I talked to Eddie, I stood next to him at his table where he was signing autographs, just watching him interact with fans. Don't tell me he bit somebody's nose. And no, no. Okay. Chris Chris Sanders was sitting to his left. also signing autographs. So uh, up walks this person wearing i kid you not this is so perfect for this segment we're hitting everything wearing a titans pac-man jones jersey i have a picture i took a picture it's it's in my phone and he walks up and i look at him and he's not holding anything to get signed he just has these this stack of papers in his hand i'm thinking why is he here this this person this 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 man Proceed to hand Eddie George and, and former Titans receiver Chris Sanders each a stack of paper from the stack that he had been holding. And he says, hey, guys, uh, I didn't want to get any autographs today. I, I'm actually here for y'all. These are packets of research and information regarding post-career CTE prevention. Really? So, so what did yes. what was their reaction after receiving these packets? I don't know. I walked away because I was cringing so much. I didn't want to see what the reaction was. How weird is that? That is weird. That's uncomfortable. Those guys are just going out there, you know, to sign a couple of things, talk to Luke Worsham, um, and then yeah, that that uh, that's that's some. Uh, what was the movie Will Smith was in? Was it called Concussion? It was. It might have been called concussion. That sounds right. I know what you're talking about. To have the just a movie script, a movie script of CTE stuff just laid in front of you. That's got to be a buzzkill. Very weird. Yeah, that's a buzzkill. It's a strange interaction. That's for sure. That is that is very odd. All right. Well, that's it. Do you know we we debuted it? We had to we had to break it out. Hopefully, you know, there's not many. Hopefully, this segment doesn't come frequently. <laughs> But, you know, if it does, we're prepared now. The Pac-Man Jones, Kenny Britt, Isaiah Wilson, arrest of the week. We got to get that sponsored by, like, Grumpy's Bail Bonds or something. Um, <laughs> okay, well. Or if it's Pac-Man Jones by, like, Crazy Horse Gentleman's Club or something like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, let's move to Remember the Titan. Luke, I know yes. it's your last week. Do you want to go? So I'll leave the – I'll leave, put the ball in your court. First, you want to go first gonna go or out, second? I'm going to go out with a bang. I'll, I'll go first. Okay. I'm going to choose who I think perhaps is the worst player to ever start a game for the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> and that's a high bar. Perfect. Wills Tech is my remember the Titan of the week. He had a starting role on the offensive line during Ken Wisenhunt's final season with the Tennessee Titans. And this dude was awful. You can go find videos very easily on YouTube of the game that Svitek started at right tackle, I believe it was, against the Houston Texans, because it's the best game that J.J. Watt ever had in his career. Oh I, have to this, I have to this day. Now, J.J. Watt is 
one of the three best pass rushers of all time. It's him, Reggie White, and Lawrence Taylor. Ty Sambrello, you know, spent a little more time out there. Uh, when the Texans came to town and the lawn went down, who knows? He, he could have topped yeah. him there. But it, I have never seen one player wreck and dominate a game the way that J.J. Watt did to the Titans that afternoon. It was it was unbelievable what we were watching. And again, J.J. Watt is one of the three best players to ever put on a helmet at his position. But a lot of it had to do with the fact that he was going up against Will Svitek for most of the game. Uh, he's, he's a cherished favorite, I know, in the hearts of, of many diehard Titans fans who know exactly who this is uh, as soon as you heard me say his name. Uh, that is my Remember the Titan. And just be thankful that you now have Taylor Lewan and Dylan Radins starting on the edges of the offensive line instead of that guy. So, real quick, how do you spell Svitek? S-V-I-T-E-K. Okay. All right, that's, that's a name I had forgotten. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to brush up on my Will Svitek history uh, <laughs> as soon as we wrap here. My guy is, um, unfortunately, a guy who is no longer with us. He played at Tennessee in college. He played under Phil Fulmer from 04 to, I believe, 2006. He's a Juco transfer to the Vols. Um, but the Titans ended up picking him up. He was drafted in the fifth round of the 2006 NFL Draft, 169th pick overall. He's from Hawaii. Honolulu, Hawaii. Nice. The Titans have a good history going out to the island and finding some talent. Um, Jesse Mahalona sure. is his name. Jesse Mahalona played defensive tackle and only spent one year with the Titans. Uh, Ten games, one start, had one sack, 20 tackles, one tackle for loss. Um, all in all, for uh, you know, a rotational guy, decent numbers, but uh, he, didn't, he didn't spend any longer than a year with the Titans. He played for the Falcons in 2007 so he won't reverse julio jones in his career but unfortunately he passed away two years later in a car wreck um but jesse mahalona you're sad i know i hate to end it on a dark note because I, last week i ended it with albert hainsworth getting a, a kidney um and and now uh, you know when I, when I remembered this guy i was like huh i wonder what he's up to now and boom he's dead so R.I.P. Jesse Mahalona, a great remember the Titan. Um, Big-time Vols player when he was up there in in some of the Vols' last true uh, glory days up in Knoxville. Um, Things have taken a dark turn since then. But Jesse Mahalona, I want to give you respect from beyond the grave. You're my remember the Titan this week. All right, Luke. That's a good one. Thanks. Um, Thank you, Luke. Luke, Lucas, Lukey, Luke Worsham. That is Luke Worsham. This is the last Luke Worsham co-host uh, job of the Tighten Up podcast. True. But before we leave, you know, we always finish, you know, with what do you have? Uh, what do you have for us, Luke? But last week, <laughs> or maybe it was the week before, I think it was last week, you you titled the segment only to use it one yeah. more time before departing. <laughs> so <laughs> let's go ahead and hear it. Worsham's wisdom. Yeah. I'll tell you what, ne- next time I come on with you in Austin, we can do a Worsham's wisdom. Please, yes, please. Um, here's my Worsham's wisdom. Uh, for for this week and that is that uh, tomorrow matters and and I'm not going to take credit for that I actually saw that in a sermon that I watched online the other day 
and but but the, the the point applies beyond a spiritual context or religious context it's the idea that you know in your life the decisions that you make today affect your tomorrow and tomorrow matters because we live in a culture that is instant gratification and and i want this now you know we got the two-day shipping from amazon we watch the we don't have to wait till next week to watch the next episode of our series we watch the whole thing in one sitting on netflix we're designed to get it now but tomorrow matters and sometimes delayed pleasure has a bigger payoff in the end and sometimes making the decision that you don't really want to make today will make your tomorrow better so Luke, Luke's or, or, or wisdom with worship this week is that tomorrow matters. That's good stuff. A delayed, what do you, what do you call it? Delayed satisfaction. What is delayed it? pleasure. Delayed, delayed pleasure, pleasure or satisfaction or whatever you want to call it. Delayed pleasure. I know some Titans fans today might be having delayed pleasure thinking about Julio Jones, but not to <laughs> undermine, not to undermine uh, wisdom with worship. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I saw, I saw a tweet of this person who I'm not going to name. But they said they were crying in their car after the Titans traded for Julio Jones. And I hate, I hate that. That's Titans a bit. Man. That's over the top, man. <laughs> I hate that crying t- in your car about a, a football player. I'm yeah, as big of a Titans a guy as, as you'll find. I mean, I grew up here. I'm from here. Um, Titans were the first team I ever saw play. Uh, I, I have a Titans podcast. Um, but crying in your car, don't be that guy. Don't be that fan. And definitely don't put it on Twitter if that happens. If you yeah, just keep cry in your car, just look in the mirror when you get home. It's like, Jesus Christ, I really need to turn things. Maybe, you need a new hobby. <laughs> you need to learn that tomorrow matters and yeah. get your premature satisfaction or, or delayed reaction. What, what was it? Premature. Delayed, not premature. Delayed satisfaction yes okay good stuff luke luke this was a fun ride man you're gonna be back too yeah soon. you may be back honestly um as, as soon i know you have a camp to attend or to, to counsel yes mm-hmm. maybe maybe you should uh, share some of the the wisdom with worship at the camp i think that those campers could really use it but when you're done with the camp, segment we're gonna get you back on with austin and okay. i and we're gonna talk some more football hopefully the titans have a have some more news. I know we got a lot of time from now until the preseason gets going. But the Titans aren't done. We know that. So you're not going anywhere. Well, you <laughs> are, but you're also not. When you're back, we're going to get you back on. Before we go, I want to remind all of you guys who are listening right now, well, first to tell you thank you for listening. We appreciate every single one of you. That being said, if you aren't following the Titan Up Pod on Twitter, you should be at Titan Up Pod on Instagram at Titan Up Podcast. Go give us a follow on both. Follow Luke Worsham. At Luke underscore Worsham has a ton of great stuff on the Titans. Very analytical. Um, he gives it to you. He gives you the truth. He's a, he's a honest and blunt sometimes human being, but uh, he knows what he's talking about. He's he's a fun follow on Twitter too. He gets a little, he's a little little sassy sometimes. He's got a sassy side. You'll see. But uh, go follow him on Twitter at Luke underscore Worsham. I'm at Jack A Gentry. If you're so kind, throw me one. Um, and, and you know that's the place where we'll we'll talk Titans once the season gets going. But for now, Luke, it's not see you later. Or it is see you later. Hold on, let me start. It is see you later. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. (laughs) It's not goodbye, but it's see you later. (laughs) All right, guys. Yuck, I've had fun. I have have too. I'm, I'm glad we got to do this together. 
All right, well, that's a wrap. Episode number 66, Gennaro, Gennaro DiNapoli, a name that is seared into all of your minds by now, hopefully. Um, we'll see you next week with a new co-host. But until then, tighten up. A long, long time ago When they played in the Houston Astrodome They've gone from being spoilers To starting six and oh Since they moved to Tennessee To call it home They had a Music City miracle To conquer Buffalo And they came within a yard Of winning in the Super Bowl They've had the same head coach Leading all the way That's one of many reasons that I'm loving how they play. They're the Tennessee Titans. They're the Tennessee Titans.